Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. Hello, New Covenant family and friends. Such an honor to come to you once again. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes. And today, I have the personal privilege of welcoming to New Covenant Doug Tunney of Youth with a Mission. We're in covenant. He's a covenant brother. We're friends. They are on the campus, and we want you to learn more about them. Doug, welcome. Thank you very much. Privileged uh, to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> We've been planning this for a while. We mm -hmm. finally get to the point where the congregation can learn more about you and the mission of Youth with a Mission. So let's jump right in. Tell us about the mission of YWAM or Youth with a Mission? Well, Youth with a Mission started in 1960. There was a man named Lauren Cunningham, he's still alive, and he had a vision. And in the vision, he saw the, the globe and he saw waves going around the globe. And he said, God, what are these waves? What are these? And God said, these are young people and I want to release them to the nations to bring the gospel around the world. Because in 1960, if you want to be a missionary, it was four years of college, four years of Bible college, two years of internship. So it was 10 years of preparation. And then in the next two years, half of the missionaries were quitting. So it was like two years, 10 years of preparation, and they were quitting. And Lauren said, I want to get them on the field when they're 19 years old, when they're 18, when they're 20, when they're full of vigor in life. Mm. And so that was the idea of youth of the mission. And so uh, shortly after uh, he started taking them, he found out that they weren't really ready. A lot of them were spiritually unfit to be on the mission field. Mm. They weren't really qualified. So he said, I need to do something to train them, you know. And so he decided to start a school called a Discipleship Training School. And uh, in the school, he, he looked at seminaries around the world, and, and he actually has a doctorate in seminaries. He said, what was the spiritual condition of the individual when they came? What was the spiritual condition when they were done? And he discovered it was, not, it was worse. It was actually worse in seminaries. Really? So people who entered seminary mm -hmm. exited uh -huh. worse off spiritually, spiritually when yeah. they entered. Yeah. So he said, I want to I start a school where that doesn't happen. I want to have a school for the heart to change the character of a person, to change who they are, to teach them about the character of God, to teach them about the wonders of God, and then expose them to evangelism where they would go for two months. So it's three months of classroom where every week we bring in a different teacher. Mm -hmm. And these are, they speak in their specialties, you know. And then uh, for the last two months, we go somewhere in the world on a mission trip and uh, share the gospel. Mm. And so that's how I've been in uh, 48 countries preaching the gospel all over the world. Wow. Okay. That's interesting foundations. And uh, that gives us a sense of how YWAM was birthed. Mm -hmm. So now I want to get a little closer to home. Tell us the story about how you came to settle on New Covenant's campus because it's miraculous. It's a wonderful story. You know, my uh, wife uh, sat up in bed. We've been talking about Philadelphia in Youth of the Mission for 30 years. Uh, we said someday we need to have a presence there. Uh, by God's grace, my wife and I established Youth of the Mission in Pittsburgh and then in Boston, Massachusetts. And But all these Youth of the Mission people are talking about Philly, but nobody's done anything. And, uh, and, and Youth of the Mission Boston is established. I gave it to my son a few years ago. He's running it. Uh, everything's going good. 
And so I said, Debbie, I think we should consider Philadelphia. And she says, I don't think I want to go to Philadelphia, no. And I said, well, okay, I, I'm not going to go without you. you know, I'm going <laughs> to wait on my wife. And then one day, uh, she sits up in bed, 4 a.m., wakes me up. And she goes, we have to go to Philadelphia to start Youth of the Mission there. And uh, my understanding is your churchmen had laid hands on the building around that same time. And I think it woke up my wife's spirit mm. when they did that yeah. uh, to call us here because we have done many, many outreaches here. We haven't, we've, we come here in the summer and we do summer outreaches all throughout Philadelphia. Ah. We've done that plenty of times. So we're very familiar. And I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so I'm familiar yes. here in Philadelphia. Yes. So that woke her spirit up. And then I said, uh, well, I'll tell you what, let me go on ahead and uh, see what's happening, you know, because we... We knew pastors from the summer outreaches, but I wasn't sure about permanent place. Right. Um, and so um, I came here and a Brazilian church opened up a place over in Fox Chase for me. So I was staying, it was kind of small, you know, and I said, that's not going to be a place where you can have major schools and that kind of thing. And I said, Lord, we need, we need something. And then on uh, Saturday or Sunday of a particular week, God gave me a prayer. You know, sometimes prayers are a gift from God. Right. Gives you a prayer. You don't, you don't think of the prayer. He gives it to you. Right. He gave me this prayer. He said, God, and this is my prayer. God, do the impossible and the unbelievable for youth of the mission and the kingdom of God in Philadelphia. At that moment, I had this desire to call a friend of mine in New York City. His name is Jimmy Terry. And he used to be a youth leader for the Church of God, your, your denomination. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Whole country at one time. And I knew him. He was a good friend. And, and a lot of times if I did outreach in New York City, he'd give me a lot of Church of God churches to work with. And we loved it. We, we, it was a good time. And so he says, I know one guy in Philadelphia, Andrew Graman. And uh, here's his phone number. So I said, okay. So I called Andrew. I said, I'm Doug Tunney. I'm with Youth of the Mission. And uh, uh, Jimmy Terry, give me your number. And he goes, I don't know Jimmy Terry. And I don't know Youth of the Mission. Never heard of either one. I said, well, I also work for the Billy Graham organization, <laughs> which I do, you know. Right. He goes, I heard of him. He said, I said, can we meet? He said, yeah, I come to 7500 Germantown Avenue. But I heard 75 Germantown Avenue. That's what I heard in my, I don't know, the phone was not right or something, you know. Right. So I traveled down to Kensington area, and I'm down there, and I'm, yeah. I'm underneath two overpasses, and I'm like, there's no church here. And I thought maybe a little storefront church, you know. Right, right. You know, and I'm looking. And so I call him. I'm like, I can't find you. He goes, what address? I said, I'm at 75. He goes, no, I said 7,500. And I know he did. It was just I misheard it. Right. And so uh, I came up here. And when I drove on his campus, Lauren Cunningham from Youth of Mission, wrote a book called Is That Really You, God? And really it's hearing the voice of God and responding to it. And as soon as I came on this campus, I went, is this you, God? Are you going to open some miraculous door here? I don't know. You know I've never, I don't even know anything about it. I never knew you existed. Right. I never knew this campus was in the world. I right. never knew anything like it. I, I can't believe a church bought this, you know, one of the greatest acts of faith I've ever seen around the world is uh, Bishop buying this place. Yes. It's like unbelievable that he had the faith to do this. Mm. And so that's... Um, so then I met with Andrew for an hour and a half. And uh, at the end of it, he says, what you're sharing, your vision for evangelism and missions, we have that. That's, that's our church. That's who we are. Right. You need to meet 
the bishop. So then I met the bishop, and mm -hmm. he knew of youth of the mission. Right. And uh, and he knew of missionaries. You know, he's very aware of missionaries because, of course, missionaries had a big impact in his life. Right. And so then I met you, yes. and then I met Sam Granham, and uh, I think a week later we met again. And, yes. And uh, Bishop said, I heard Youth of the Mission likes to fix up old buildings. I said, <laughs> I said, I said well, I don't know if that's our favorite thing to do, but we're willing to go for it. And, uh, and he said, well, we have one. And, and uh, that's the miracle of us uh, getting on this campus. Yes, and it's, you mentioned uh, the men. We were gathered here on a Saturday morning and it's interesting, uh, Andrew, Reverend Andrew, I asked him that day to pray. We walked out of the narthex and I, right in front of Eagles. And as he was praying, I got an unction for two of the words that he was praying, bidding war. And I said to the men, I want you to lay hands on this building. And the only thing you're going to say is bidding war. Mm. And they, lay hand, they laid hands, we began to pray, and not too many days hence, we had um, individuals who were interested in coming to the campus, much bigger than we had envisioned. But when you showed up, it was clear what the will of God was. Mm. And I was fascinated hearing that your wife was awakened about the same time that we were, we had been praying. And when all of this had come together and we now have a long-term lease, yes. um, we are, I, I know that God is going to do some great things. Looking back, it is without a doubt the hand of God was upon this divine connection mm -hmm. and bringing us all together. You know, the, the person in New York who introduced you to uh, us originally, who they knew him, he didn't know them, and then all of this comes, and the day of the prayer, the same person says two words that we picked up prophetically, and God set all of this in motion. Wow. And I'm certain that the best is yet to come. Yeah, amen. Without a doubt. Yes. So what is the Lord doing with YWAM in Philadelphia? Now that you're here, what do you sense the Spirit of the Lord saying for you to do in the birthplace of America? And I'm persuaded, and many of the intercessors, intercessors in New Covenant are persuaded, that if revival is going to break out in the land, it's going to be because of the travail in Philadelphia mm. and the rebirth of this nation will happen. Mm. What do you sense God saying to YWAM and the reason for your presence physically here in Philadelphia? Well, one of the big things Youth of the Mission likes to do around the world is we like to find out the great men of God that are already in this city, the great ministries that are already in this city. Mm -hmm. We don't want to come in and say, we're the ones, you know, we're, right. we're going to do it all. You know, there's no way we think that we go. How can we partner with these already awesome ministries that are happening? Mm. How can we strengthen them? How can we have like a new idea, like a new vision? Sometimes when you grow up in Philadelphia, you might not see some things that somebody from the outside coming right. in can see. Right. And maybe we have a new, some new things we can see and uh, things like this. And we, we can say that. So as we've been praying, uh, and, and we do, we pray every day for Philadelphia. We call upon the Lord for, for uh, holy partnerships, mm. holy partnership, divine partnerships that will uh, increase the kingdom of God in Philadelphia and beyond. 
And that's, that's, that's our heart. Now, 25 years ago, my wife started a very powerful ministry. My wife was a, a Christian school teacher, a principal of a school. So she's, you know, <clears throat> she's uh, that person, you know, that's who she is. Uh, and if you've ever <clears throat> been married to a, a teacher, uh, mm. You get that eye all the time. She looks at you and goes, yes, ma'am. You know, <laughs> you know, that's who I'm married to. I'm married to a teacher. And, uh, and, and 25 years ago, she saw the children of our church that we were part of. We, we were ministers in a church of 1,500 people in Manchester, New Hampshire. But the youth, it was the biggest youth group. They had all the cool stuff the youth groups can have and their special rooms, special music. But the, the young people were nowhere with God. They were nowhere with God. They were backsliding. They were doing bad things. And and mom said, I don't want that for uh, my young people, my my children. And we realized that there's three major things that young people need. Uh, They need to know God personally, have their own radical experience with Christ and, and, and learn how to walk with him in a supernatural way, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they also need this. They need to know that God can use them. So not just it's a bless me club. You know, no, they want to be a blessing, right. be blessers, and they need that experience. You know, teams I brought here to Philadelphia, I mean, we had one year we were here, we had 200 people healed on the streets of Philadelphia. Mm. Um, and we said 1,400 come to Christ in 10 days with these mm. young people. And all of a sudden they go home and they go, man, God can use me. Right. And I need to pray more. I need to fast. I need to press into God in my life. I need to start a Bible study in my high school. And that's what's happening to these young people. And the third thing young people need is they need godly friends who will encourage them in the things of God, not just play video games all day or this kind of thing. But man, how can we serve God together? So she started that ministry 25 years ago. Um, And then when we started Youth Mission Pittsburgh in Boston, two days ago, a neat thing happened where... um, Youth of the Mission, the Joshua Generation, I'm sorry I didn't say the name of the organization, the Joshua Generation. Mm-hmm. As you know, the Moses Generation never made it to the promised right, land. Right, right. the Joshua, and so that's the idea she wants to have. We want to raise up a generation that will take the gospel to the ends of the earth, wherever they, wherever they are, in Philadelphia and beyond. Right. And so that's the idea. And so we decided that uh, this summer, all the ministries around the Northeast United States, the Youth of the Mission, are coming here this summer. And uh, we're going to have about 150 young people between 12 and 18 years old here. And then we have about 60 or 70 staff will be here. And they're all going to stay in that building. All know? right. And, yes. uh, and then we're going we're gonna to just pray that God will use us all throughout Philadelphia and in the surrounding area for the kingdom of God. So we're very excited about that. And before that, we're going to have a training school called a Discipleship Training School specifically for youth ministry. We want to train young people. Uh, you know, they can be 25, 30, 18, whatever. We want to train them to be effective in these areas that we're talking about, a Joshua generation type of, of ministry. And then we want them to be involved with the Philadelphia Outreach and then say, you know what, why don't I go to uh, Ghana, Africa and start a ministry like that? Why don't I go to Europe and start something like that? And so the idea would be this would be a birthing place for youth ministry, very effective ministries all over the world. Amen. Let it be so that there would be a birthing room right over there in Eagles. So you, you and I have had the privilege of breaking bread and interacting. And one of the things that I know is that evangelism is in your DNA. It's natural. Mm -hmm. The person who's serving us fish and grits, you come over. Do you know Jesus? 
it's natural. Uh, some of the stories you told me about the Brazilian uh, church where the kids in the neighborhood uh, were not saved and they got converted. It's amazing that there were 17,000 saved in 10 days. That's 170 salvations a day. Mm. I want you to uh, commit to teaching our youth how to do that. First of all, we'll come back to that. Yes. But talk about some of the evangelistic thrust of YWAM, because it's clearly in your DNA. Yeah. yeah. So the motto of YWAM is to know God and make him known. That's, the, that's, our, that's who we are, to know God and make him known. And a lot of uh, ministries are all about to know God. Even a lot of churches are about to know God. But to make him known, a lot of times we don't have, like in fact, the statistics are that uh, 95% of American Christians have never led somebody to Christ. Even though the first command that Jesus gives us in the New Testament is come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so the idea is that we want to mobilize the church. We want to mobilize the individuals uh, to do these things. And so what we do is we'll go to countries where I remember I went to Poland, for example, and, and every, all the missionaries in Poland were saying, you can't do open-air evangelism here, especially in Krakow, or you'll get arrested immediately. And, uh, and I said, well, the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. It doesn't say only the safe places, mm. only the places where they hug you when you come, mm. you know, it means everywhere. Right. I said, so I'm going to go do open air evangelism in Krakow, right in the main square. And, um, and so we have, we are, we are, we are street performers. We do uh, hip hop dance and mime on the streets. That's another thing we teach the young people. And, uh, so we started to do that and the police came and, uh, and they came and said, you can't do this here. And I said, well, I said, I'll be honest with you. My uncles fought here in this country during World War II. And, and you'd be Nazis if it wasn't for the, right. the Americans. I want you to think about it. And I do want to tell you something. And the translators, he's like looking at me while I'm saying this to the guys. I said, I said, if you want to arrest me, that's fine. But we're going to keep going. We feel like the Lord is directing us to keep going. And the, and the translator looked at me and he goes, what did you say? <laughs> And, and I said, they, I, they might arrest us. He goes, yeah. I said, we could witness in jail then, you know? And, mm. uh, and, and I remember him, after that, that young man became a great, bold warrior for Christ. After he, really? he after saw how... Witnessing that. Yeah, he saw we're willing to lay it all down, you know? And the police, they never arrested us. Uh, and I remember we were there for like five days and... We had seen like 2,000 Polish people come to Christ. And so many of the women would throw their purses down and run forward and get on their knees and just repent because they had never really heard somebody like preach the gospel and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were, they were Catholics and they knew the, the Catholic way to live life and, you know, how to do mass and the sacraments, but they didn't know a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's what I explained to them. You can have a personal relationship with you. And they said, that's something I wanted my whole life. Mm. I need that in my life. And they would, they would come forward. And then we, we uh, would tell, and then the churches, they were like, you can't do this. You can't do this. But by day three, they went, well, I guess you can. And mm. I said, well, can we train you now? And they're like, yeah, if you did it, we can do it. And I remember after I left, um, the churches of Poland that knew me, they all wrote me a letter and they said, you changed Poland. Now we're brave. Now we're willing to go out. But before you came, 
we were never, uh, we, none of us ever would witness. Wow. And so that's one of the calls on youth and mission. We're like, we're like on the cutting edge. We're the, the tip of the arrow. We're right. the ones that will go. Nobody else is willing to go. Like I smuggled Bibles into China. Nobody else was willing to do it, but we did it. And, uh, and now everybody's willing to do it, you know? So, right. so that's the idea. We want to open the door for many other people to, to be brave enough now to go for it. Wow. So YWAM is the tip of the spear. Yeah. That's, a, that's an amazing story. And uh, that kind of boldness makes others bold. Yeah. Uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, the courage of one can stiffen the spine of many. Yeah. And uh, that's an example of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I love that quote. Yeah. Yeah. So how can New Covenant collaborate with YWAM to bring about uh, the fruit of this divine connection? Well, one thing is we've realized about New Covenant, of course, we never knew you before, uh, but this is a very anointed and powerful ministry and very effective. This church is amazing. And uh, meeting Bishop Granham is one of the greatest moments for me to meet mm. a man like that. And then, and then to see uh, meet you has been a great privilege and a, mm. a great opportunity. And I know your church is doing a lot of things. I, I know you're doing the food distribution. And I was part of Trunk or Treat the other night and mm. they had me on the radio uh, preaching the gospel a little bit. And, mm. and so we're just saying to you as a church, we're available. We're available. Mm. What do you need? We're, I'm, I'm, my, my gifting is I'm an equipping evangelist. I'm yes. very good. I've started a school of evangelism and ministry in 1990 and I've had 13,000 go through it. And these students are, have literally taken the gospel all over the world. And so we could do a school for you, train your people and, and mobilize them and work with them and collaborate with the church in any way we can. But we'll serve you. I mean, we'll come and do your bathrooms, anything we can do. <laughs> we'll serve you in any way we can, brother. Well, God bless you. And uh, you are my brother. And uh, you said something that uh, I think is remarkable but true. And that is the faith to purchase this campus is one of the great acts of faith that you've seen anywhere in the world. Amen. And I've had the privilege to sit at the feet of Bishop Granham. And among the many things that he's taught me, by observation and impartation, is that faith is a verb. Mm. And so the faith that caused this campus to be purchased is still working, is still in action. And we wanna continue to move in that faith, to move to the next level, the new wine of this ministry. And so I'm, I am so grateful to God for the potential for us to partner so that our discipleship ministry can be more effective so that our evangelistic thrust can be bold, like what happened in Poland. Uh, the stories you told me about being in Africa and a, a man who never walked, got up and walked because he was released from the grip of a witch doctor. Yes. Would you just take a moment to talk about that? Because I think that's gonna release faith for for somebody, and I sense an anointing in terms of us working together to have tremendous breakthroughs in the city for the body of Christ and for this ministry. The day will come when the back of COVID-19 is broken Amen. and we're gonna be back in this building and there are people who need the Lord Amen. to be 
it's not enough just to know him, but to be known of him. Yes. I, I love that mantra, yeah. and, I, and that's got to be a part of, of who we are. So can you talk about um, what you see as moving forward? And we will definitely serve each other. We will definitely work together. Amen. Yes. Well, we want to know God and make him known. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting you talk about COVID. Lauren Cunningham, who started Youth of the Mission in 2003, we had an international convention in Singapore. And uh, he come up as the speaker. Um, and he said, I have a word from the Lord. And we said, what is it, Lauren? He goes, in 2020, you're not going to be able to travel. I don't know why, but everything's going to be shut down worldwide. He said, I'm talking about the whole world. We're not going to be able to do missions in 2020. But the end of that, when that comes to the end, we're going to see the greatest history, I mean, the greatest harvest in the history of the world mm. for the kingdom of God. And, mm. uh, and so I'm holding on to that promise. Yes. I'm holding on to that promise, brother. Yes. You know, and I remember I went to, uh, I, I'm a missionary to Liberia, West Africa. I actually adopted a boy from uh, Liberia. Uh, his name is Patrick Way. I was there in the middle of the war and uh, he had lost his parents and had nobody. And so I adopted him and and, uh, and so I have, a, I, he has children now, he's married, so I, I have African grandchildren. Oh, <laughs> see, that's why there's this kindred spirit. <laughs> I love, he lives in Ohio now. Wow. He's moving back to Liberia as a missionary, but I have African grandchildren, which is, which is awesome, you yes, know? And so yes. my sons and my family, we've grown up with Patrick. It's been, it's been wonderful. But one time we were in Liberia, and there was a village called Smell No Taste. It's a funny name of a village. And if somebody here listens to me, they'll know it if they're from Liberia because it's right by the international airport. And it's Smell No Taste because they used to cook for all the soldiers um, and they weren't allowed to eat it. Uh, so the village mm. was cooks, but they couldn't eat it. So they could only smell it. And they were all Muslim and they were all uh, witchcraft, every one of them. In fact, other missionaries had gone there and they had literally kicked them out. And uh, mm. missionaries had warned me they said, don't go there. Well, when somebody says that to me, I pray, I say, oh God, and I just go, you know, because right. I, I just feel that we want to open up doors that nobody else can open, you know. And so I went there and we're beginning and we're talking and everything. And we, I had trained the librarians in this drama that we do, the street drama called Doors. It presents the gospel through mime. So it doesn't mm. matter what language, you can see it, you right. can see the gospel. Right. And so we're getting ready. But two of the girls who came with me were their ladies. And uh, they said, hey, there's a young man sitting over there. Do you mind if we go pray for him? I said, ladies, of course, you <laughs> go right ahead. They went over and they prayed for him. And all of a sudden, he's walking back to the crowd. And now the crowd turns around and they start like freaking out. And they're like, he's 32 years old. He's been, he's been crippled his whole life. Why is he walking? And I said, Jesus did that, mm. you know? And they said, oh, okay, tell us more about Jesus. We want to know about him, you know? And so I began to talk to them about Christ and, and they said, oh, we want Christ. I said, but you can't have the witch doctor and Christ. You can't, you can't have both, you know? And, uh, and, I, and I called the witch doctor out. I said, if you're here, come on. And, and, you know, I used to be a football player. I played semi-pro football. So I like mm. to take on a challenge. I said, come on out. If you want to show me what you got, I'll show you what my God has got. You know? I said, let's go. Well, he, did, he didn't come right then. Uh, uh, and so the people were like listening. And they had like ropes around their neck, around their wrists. And if anybody is from Africa that's listening, they'll know about this. Also around their waist and their ankles. And these ropes would have human bones inside the ropes, you know. Right. And that, the witch doctor said, if you wear these, it will protect you. 
So those were, were ropes of protection. And Liberia has the highest rate of children dying young in, in the whole world, is Liberia, West Africa. And so the mothers especially, you know, there's no way you're taking this off my child. And so I, I said, man, Lord, how am I going to get past this with these people? I don't know what to do. And the Lord gave me an idea. And there was the oldest man there. And in Liberia, the oldest people are really respected highly. Mm. You know, like they just honored, just, just honored. And I said to the old man, what do you think? He says, man, I want to serve Jesus, man. I, want to, I said, you got to take your ropes off. You got to take that off. And he said, okay, give me a knife. So he gave me a knife, he cuts off. And it was like uh, the Apostle Paul when he was uh, on the island. And he, the, the, They're waiting the for snake. him to swell up yeah. or die. He's going to die. And they all, they all looked. And all of a sudden he goes like this. Oh, hallelujah. And he starts prophesying. I mean, not only did he raise, he started prophesying that God was going to do a great work in that village. You know? mm. and, uh, and so then they all looked at me and said, give us the knife. <laughs> so wow. then 600 people cut the ropes. And we, uh, we put them in the pile. We got some kerosene. We poured on, we burned them. And, uh, and the witch doctor in, in this village, uh, he charged at me and like he was going to kill me. And, uh, and God struck him down right in front of me. And he was humbled. You know, he didn't die. I'm just saying God knocked him down. And here he is right here asking me to forgive him. And mm. I, said, I said, you should probably ask the people of the village because um, I don't want to get into details, but they molest all the girls and they do terrible things. Mm. You know, they, It's just horrible what they do. I'm talking about every girl. And, uh, and now I said, ask her. And, I, and so he asked their forgiveness and and uh, he said, I don't want to be a witch doctor. I want to serve Jesus now. I think we, and now um, the church is like 2,000 people in that village. Wow. And, it's, and there was no church there. Wow. And now there's a church there. So, so I think when I think of people that are watching us today, and maybe you're watching us today, I don't want you to miss out on the river of God. I don't want you to miss out on knowing the Lord of the harvest. You will never know him until you go to the harvest. Until mm. you go, you'll never, and he is mighty. He is awesome. He is above everything you can imagine. And let, but until you go into the harvest, you won't experience that. You won't experience the Lord mm. of the harvest. Now, you don't have to do as radical thing as going to a village in, in, in Liberia, but you can, right. you can go to your neighbors in, in Philadelphia. You can share with them and, and begin to share with them. And don't be afraid to share with them. Just begin to talk. And you all have a story to tell. You all have a story of Jesus to tell. Tell that story. Amen. Let's pray. Okay. Father, I thank you for your servant, Doug, and I thank you for youth with a mission. May your hand be heavy upon them. I pray, God, because of our partnership, that many would cut the ropes in the mm. spirit. Yes. The things that bind them, untangle them. Yes. Father, I pray that many would go into the harvest. Yes. Teach us to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Yeah. That he might send laborers. Yes. According to your word. Mm -hmm. Father, we say that much fruit shall be brought forth because of this covenant, mm -hmm. because of this relationship, because of this collaboration because of this partnership, and that fruit shall remain. We thank you for the faith that has been released as a result of this conversation. Bless your people now. Yes, God. And make them a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, God keep you, and keep the faith. 
Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.